Treat yourself, all right? So we live in, in 2018 in this world where this is like a pretty common uh, phrase. I know I say it to my friends. I say it to myself. I know a lot of times we're just like, you know what? Like I need, this week has been crazy. This day has been crazy. I need a win. I need a break. I need a vacation. And I just need to treat yourself, you know? And, and, and this is, you know, I, I know a lot of times it's really innocent. It's a really innocent saying. It's just like, Leave me alone, Levi. I just want my triple vente, you know, white mocha, like, after my hard day. Like, it's not that deep, okay? But no, really, like, we live in this world where we are, we're really, really good at um, when, when life happens, when situations happen, when rainy days happen, we're really, really good at um, kind of overcompensating in a way where we tend to think it's okay um, to get unjustifiably selfish for a moment of time to, in order to maybe turn a situation around, maybe turn a bad day around. And I, I know that sounds like really deep, but and it's really not. Like, I think we've all been on the car ride home after a really crappy day at the office or whatnot, and we've just daydreamed the, the entire ride home about how we're going to spend the rest of the afternoon, the rest of the day in order to turn it around. Like, I'm just going to go home. I'm going to get on the couch. I'm going to watch my TV show. I'm going to clock out for today. Like, I'm done over with today, you know? And I think we've all been there in, in a way. And, uh, you know, I, I think what's interesting is, is as Americans, we, we have life really, really good. You know, like, I think we grow up in this world, and we grow up from kids uh, growing up that we, we go, most days, yes, we have our hard days. Yes, there are real-life situations that happen. Yes, there are not fun moments. But at the same time, our life on average is pretty dang good. And so we kind of get spoiled that life is more often than not a pretty good day because we don't face a lot of the um, calamities and hardships that a ton of other people throughout the world see day to day. And so we kind of get used to this day in, day out where like our situational needle is pointed to like this is a pretty good day most of the time. And so when life happens and things disrupt that status quo, we do what? We automatically grab the reins of the situation. We go, how can I turn this around? How can I treat myself? And, and in some way or another, how can I sink back into my hobbies? How can I buy a toy? You know, how can I do something to turn this day around, turn this situation around? My marriage, maybe it's been rough the past couple of days. How can I check out so I don't have to deal with it? And how can I engross myself in some kind of hobby in order to um, check out of the frustration that's currently happening in my life? And I think we do this all over, like all the time in our lives, big ways, small, small ways. I think it's just kind of something that we think is innocent, but we're going to take um, a look at a, a story in the Old Testament where I think we're going to see how God really views these moments and again, I'm not here to, uh, to be up on anybody. I think God totally recognizes breaks and he understands needing um, maybe some R&R. I mean, God took R&R when he made the world, so he gets it. But at the same time, um, we're going to see uh, kind of a story uh, in the Old Testament where the Israelites really take a moment to, to treat themselves. And, and we see how it pans out for them. But uh, Real quick to preface that, I, I kind of got a story 
it's kind of silly, but a long time ago, uh, I was in the beginning stages of a relationship with a lady friend, okay? And uh, things were going really, really well, so I thought. And um, we're like a couple months into the process of getting to know each other, kind of dating, kind of nothing official yet. And uh, I, I, was, I was pretty excited about this. I, I kind of had all my eggs in this basket. Um, and so I, I was really pumped. You know, I was hearing, I was getting good signals from her, good signals from her friend, uh, from her friends and stuff. And everybody's like, oh, it's just a matter of time until you guys are dating. Well, I, I, get, this, I get this text um, that's like, hey, from her. And she's like, hey, like, I think you're great and all, but I'm not, this is not going to be happening. So bummer, right? Like not fun situation in that moment. And this is, this is about a two-month process that we've gotten up to this point. And uh, Matt, my best friend, he's, he's with me at the moment. And this is like midnight, all right? And I get this text. And he, being a really good friend, he's like, dude, like, what do you want to do right now? And I, I remember I paused and I was like, shoot, I don't know. I want a milkshake, you know? And I was like, I want, I want a milkshake. Like, that's the only way, like this day is almost over and I don't want to end on this note. So I'm going to go to UDF. I'm going to go to the counter. I'm like, what is the physically biggest size you guys make? And the guy's like, let me go get our forklift in the back, you know? And, and I mean, I was like, give me every topping that you have. And I'm like, I know you're not supposed to eat past 9 p.m., all right? And I know it's midnight, but I just don't care in this moment, you know, because we, we want to grab the reins, right? When life happens and when things get rocky, we want to go, we want to tense up and go, wait, 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 I got to get in the driver's seat. I got to take control. I got to grab the wheel and I got to get in control and, and turn this around the best that I can, right? So we're going to take a look at, uh, in, the, in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 32, uh, God shows, I'm going to give you a little bit of background story so we can kind of rush through it. God shows these people called the Israelites to... Uh, to show the world how awesome he is, basically. And um, the Israelites and God have had a, a rocky on and off relationship in a way. And this is one of those moments that we pick up in Exodus where they weren't being uh, the most obedient, the most faithful people in the world. And God was like, fine, I'm going to let you do whatever you want. You guys got free will. Go be your own bosses. And through a series of events, the whole nation of Israel, the whole people group, Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people end up becoming uh, slaves to the Egyptians, like the most powerful nation in the world at the time. And so life is really difficult for the Israelites when we pick up in the book of Exodus because they are having a, a not-so-fun time um, working their butts off in Egypt. And so finally they kind of they pull it together and they go, you know what, we forgot about God. We forgot about um, our creator, the one who loves us. We got to cry out to him. We got to ask for forgiveness. We got to get out of this situation. And so they do. God hears them and he sends Moses. And Moses, through, through God, does some of the most amazing miracles we see in the Bible in order to convince uh, Pharaoh to let his slave labor force to, to go. And so we pick up here in chapter 32 where um, Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt, and God wants to start fresh with his people. He wants to give them, everybody's probably heard of the Ten Commandments, he wants to give them the law, a fresh start. He goes, now that we're cool again and you guys are back to being obedient to me, like I want to start fresh, we're going to start new, I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments, a new way to live, and I'm going to show my glory and I'm going to bless you guys and it's going to be awesome. So we pick up in verse uh, 1 of chapter 32. 
Um, I'm sorry, one more thing. When Moses, when God wants to give Moses these, the Ten Commandments on the top of a mountain, so God leads the Israelites and Moses to a real mountainous region, which is not a comfortable place to be. And Moses has to uh, climb a mountain, and it's not a five-minute walk. He's probably doing some, like, Mission Impossible rock climbing to get to, like, where God is trying to meet him, you know? And so we pick up in verse 1. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, who's Moses' assistant. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here out of the land of Egypt. So, so right now, their situational needle is definitely pointing towards the negative. Like, they, they had a real expectation of the next season that they were going into. They were like, man, we just got out of bondage in Egypt. And so now that God's freed us, like, I bet he has, like, crazy plans. I bet he's going to take us to a crazy cool place. I bet he's going to provide for us a bunch. But they're stuck in this, in this moment where they're waiting on Moses. They're at the foot of a mountain. They don't have a ton of possessions. They don't have camps set up. They're probably understandably a little bit frustrated because they're probably wondering, okay, why is Moses taking so long? Um, what are we supposed to do while we're waiting here? And so this season that they're in looks, looks nothing like what they thought it would be exiting, um, exiting Egypt. So we pick up verse 2. Aaron says, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, I know this is kind of crazy because this moment is literally like days after they escape captivity. And they've already forgotten about God. Like, really quick. They've, they've moved on. They go, you know what, God? You're not showing up like we thought. We don't know where Moses is at. So out with the old, in with the new. We're going to move on. And, uh, and what's amazing is they, they sacrifice. They didn't have a ton of possessions coming out of slavery, but they did have some gold. And what's amazing is they melt down what little possessions they have, what little value they have, and, and to move on into um, a, a new god, a new idol. And uh, it's just crazy because I know a lot of times we read this story and we're like, man, they were so dumb. How quickly did they forget about God? But I think in 2018 we do this same thing a lot of times. I know a lot of times we go, man, I'm not happy with my job or my marriage right now, so I got to quit or or check out. Um, Or I got to buy this new toy or get into this new hobby to cope with the frustration of the situation that I'm in. And a lot of times, if we're just being honest, we go, God, you're not showing up in in the way that I thought you would. My life doesn't look like I thought it would look at this point. These promises that you've made to me haven't totally come true just yet. So out with the old and in with the new. And a lot of times that's when we grab the reins and go, okay, it's it's not going how I thought it should. It's not going how I thought he promised. So now I gotta take control. I gotta be the one. I gotta treat myself. I got to, I deserve a win. I deserve a break. And so we pick up in, uh, in verse five. Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar in front of the calf 
and he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early next morning uh, to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting, drinking, and they indulged in pagan activities. Can we just pause for a second? And if you're taking notes, this is something that really stuck out to me. You are at your weakest spiritually when you're in the pursuit of fixing it yourself. Like, really, we look, at the, we look at the Israelites, and they are 100% in a real moment of weakness because they said, you know what? We deserve a break. We deserve a win. We've been on the road since Egypt. Moses is nowhere to be found. We don't know about this God who brought us out of Egypt. We're confused. We're bored. We're frustrated. We deserve a win. And that is when their moral compass just tanks. That's, that's, when, that's when their obedience to God just evaporates. And I think a lot of times in life we just go, oh, it's so innocent. Like, I, I'm, just, I'm just getting into my hobbies. I'm just doing what I like to do on the weekends. And God understands. But I think if we take a, step, a closer look at it, a lot of times when the heart's not in the right place, we can totally lose God's influence and direction on our life because we're obsessed with grabbing the reins and saying, uh-uh. God, you're not showing up like I want. You're not doing it how I want. I got to be in the driver's seat now. I, I kind of do this pretty often, you know. Um, <laughs> I think for us single people in here, we're kind of like, um, God, you're not bringing that spouse that you promised. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and mess around with somebody that I know is not right, but they give me attention, you know, and it make me feel good. And so we substitute God's plan and God's timing for, for, for something temporary. Or this one, this one goes out to the, the men uh, it, in here today. I, I, know, I think a lot of times, because I'm preaching to myself, we go, we go, God, I'm not having a blast. I'm not having an adrenaline rush serving your kingdom. So I'm going to find all these hobbies that can take up my time and my money, my energy, and my thought. Because serving you didn't look like I thought it would. Or serving you isn't as fulfilling as you say it is in the moment. And so I think a lot of times we, we do this. I mean, we look at the, the Israelites and go, you guys are so crazy. You just forgot about God. But we do this every day. We pick up in, uh, in verse 7. Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. The people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly have they turned away from the way I commanded them to live? They've melted down gold. They made a calf. They've bowed down to it. They've sacrificed to it. They're saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. And then I will make you Moses into a great nation." This is the part in church we don't like to talk about a lot, right? Like, don't worry, the story ends up great. God forgives them. He loves them, okay? But this is the moment where we really see God go, no, this isn't cool. And so this was a real reality check for me, that when I shrink back into living life how I want to, when I grab control, when I take situations away from God, when I... Um, cut in in front of his promises and his timing, God's really not okay with that. Yes, he still loves you. Yes, he's still excited about you. Yes, he has plans and he'll work through it. But we see the character 
of God that he goes, how, how could they forget so quickly? I'm not happy right now. Um, and yes, you know, the, the Lord is going to love you through that. And yes, he's going to work through that because he understands that we're human. And understands that we have, we have our vices and, and we have our hobbies and our pastime. But at the same time, God has so much that he doesn't want you to sacrifice. You know how we, um, I, um, you know, you know how we, um, I call it, I call it the, uh, the church mask. You know how we all come in here? Like you can be screaming at your kids in the car, but as soon as you get out of the door, like you're all like the perfect American family. You know, like I, I guess I grew, I, I learned that growing up in church. Like I love my family. We were a great family, but we'd have our issues. And then, you know, come, come Sunday morning, we were just all of a sudden miraculously perfect. Like the moment we stepped out of the car, you know? And so we all have our church mask that we wear. And especially as, um, as a staff member at a church, I have to have a really thick and um, convincing church mask, you know, because I got to have it together and I got to be um, perfect and, and love Jesus and he's got to be, you know, providing for me and I got to have it all every Sunday, you know, so that when you guys come in, I'm like, how you doing? I'm doing great. Whether or not I'm, you know, dying inside, I got to say that I'm great, you know. Um, and so I, I guess one one weekend, not too long ago, my church mask, I think, was a little bit thin. And um, Ryan Wonderly, you got you to gotta get to know the guy. He's one of the best guys i ever known. Um, he's an elder at our church. And I think he saw right through it one Sunday. Um, and to give you a little bit of background, so recently, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Jeff has asked me um, to take over uh, kids' ministry, which to you, you might be thinking, like, Okay, yeah, like you you trained for ministry, you're you're in full-time ministry, like what that's okay, like that's no big deal. Like you just just do it, you know. But what's what's interesting is for me, um this was like a really big deal. This was like a really uh confusing and frustrating moment. And let me explain. You're going to get raw unfiltered Levi here for a second. Um There's a few things that we're just really tough about this situation. One of them being that Jeff, has, Jeff asked me, Pastor Jeff asked me to, to take a, over an area that I had zero interest in, <laughs> if we're being real. Uh, now, let me get to the end of the story. This is past. This is two months ago. We're all good now, okay? <laughs> like, the Lord's work does miracles, all right? So, like, everything that I'm saying, it's all old Levi. This is not current Levi, okay? So... <laughs> Amen. From glory to glory. Um, so when Pastor Jeff asked me, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like to his face, I'm like, yeah, man, I got it. Like I'm here to build the church. God's called me. And inside I'm like dying, okay, because I'm like, I don't like kids. <laughs> that's not true. I love kids. I love kids. But I'm just like, I have zero expertise in this field. Like, yes, um, I've volunteered in kids before. But like everything I've ever done has been like high school and college age. And so this was like a for real stretch for me because I'm like I have I have no um, no passion in this area, I have um, no experience in this area, and he's looking at me asking like so what's the what's the vision for kids what's the direction for kids and I'm like dude what like hang on a second and and so this something that sounds so simple the enemy really used to go like, you know, you've already told Jeff that like 
kids wasn't your forte and he's asking you to do this. So are you really supposed to be here? And all these lies that the enemy gets in your head because God asked something of you for a season and all of a sudden you allow the enemy to get real loud. And so I was not, to make a long story short, I just wasn't doing the best. I, I, was, I was confused. I was frustrated. And I was like, God, I want, I want to do really good with what you've asked me to do. But this is, this is a stretch, man. This is a real stretch. And, uh, and so I think it had kind of just bugged me. I was, I was confused and, like, didn't know how to go about it. And I'm like, man, how do I come up with passion and vision for something that I've never even seen myself doing before? And uh, so at this, this is where we get to the point where Ryan uh, kind of saw my, my thin church mask, where I guess I just, I wasn't putting on the act as well as I normally do on Sundays. And uh, he's like, hey, man, like, what's up? And he just, he knows that something's up. And, uh, and I use that vague churchy language. I'm like, dude, you know, like, I don't know, just vision and direction. Like, I don't know what God's doing right now. And, and we disguise the fact that we're, like, not doing well um, <laughs> with all these fancy words. Like, I just, I don't know. And, and uh, he, he asked me this question, and, and you got to know Ryan because he's just one of the most loving guys I've ever met. And he goes, he goes, whose kingdom are you building? And I know that sounds like a really simple question, but... That, like, ate me up for the next, like, two weeks. Because it was really, really interesting. When he asked that question, it just totally shot um, right to my heart. Because what it did was it really took the focus on me. Because can, can we be real here for a second? As, as a 24-year-old single guy, it is, it's unique to introduce yourself as a kid's pastor. You know? Because, like, everybody assumes... You must, you must just be super goofy, and you must not be, like, manly. And it's not, like, the most attractive job position that you could ever imagine. You know? Can we, let's just be honest this morning. Um, and these are the thoughts that are going through my head, and I'm trying to be real uh, today. You know, Jesus, um, right before he went to the cross, he was like, God, this is a really bad situation I'm about to get into. And he was... He was 100% crystal clear with God. And I, and I think if I come up here and I act like I got it all together, that doesn't help anybody out this morning. So this is the real Levi brain. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it, it was crazy because as soon as I started working on this question, my frustrations began to melt because what happened was Jesus, he was like, if you're worried about building your own kingdom, then yes, this change to kids' ministry is is understandably weird for you. Um, when you're working on building your own profile, your own world, you know. But when all of a sudden it becomes about God's kingdom, all of a sudden I see this as these kids are the leaders of the next generation. These kids are going to see the coming of Jesus. These kids are going to be lights and answers in a dark, crazy world that's only getting weirder as time goes on. And my mind just took this crazy shift where all of a sudden, instead of like me, 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 frustration, confusion, problems, to Jesus just going, dude, look at the opportunity. 
Look at the way that you can impact. Look at the kids that you can raise, the lives that you can touch. And all of a sudden, my life, the frustrations melted, just melted. Um, (laughs) You know, it's funny. I think we're all, um, I think we're all master architects at building our own life. You know, we've all daydreamed about like that uncle that you didn't know you had who was a millionaire and died and left all of his money to you. You know, we all know exactly what we would do with $10 million. You know, we all have these crazy ideas of how we would spend it. We have it down to a T like, yes, we'd all build an orphanage. Okay, I get that. But we'd all also live on a boat, okay, too. So what I mean by that is we're all master, master architects on how we want to build our own life and how we want it to look. And there are plenty of days and situations that life is going to throw at you that are really going to make your life, uh, it's going to rock the boat, to put it lightly. That there are going to be plenty of days. I mean, let's be real. We all agree that physically, like I'm a 10 out of 10, okay, right? (laughs) Like, joking, a 9, okay. Um, No, but what that does, what that does, right, is... um, (laughs) That puts these um, expectations in your life, you know, as a single person of like, well, this is what I expect um, my wife to be, you know, because we're all geniuses at building our life and dreaming of our life the way we want it to go and the expectations that we have for it. Um, But the most amazing thing is when we shift to what the kingdom of God is all about, gosh, life gets a lot clearer, a lot simpler. Um, Matthew 6, 25, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people. And I'll let them throw it on the screen. Um, Jesus says, and this is, this is just one of the most life-filled verses in the Bible. That's why I tell you to not worry about everyday life. I'm going to insert a couple of things here. <laughs> That's why I tell you to not worry about building your world. Um, whether you have enough food or drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I'd like to add, can all of your um, obsession with your toys and your hobbies, can that add a single bit of joy to your life. And so we pick up in verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. Basically, he's saying that there's people in this world that are obsessed with building their kingdom, and that's all they can worry about. And when life gets in the way, when life gets rocky, it frustrates them constantly. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God. Build the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he'll give you everything you need. Isn't it exhausting to constantly be frustrated about the bad days that life throws at you? I mean, when we separate ourselves from the Lord and we want to take life and do it on our own, we want to grab the reins, and we want to go, I want to build life my way. Isn't it frustrating? 
and exhausting to just be constantly reacting to the bad days of life. Because Jesus says, remember, he, he warns us. He says, it'll rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Whether you're following him or not, you're going to have rainy days. And when we're constantly reactionary to that, life is just a constant game of catch-up, basically. You're just always trying to get on top of the craziness of this world. Isn't it, isn't it draining to constantly compare your, the size of your kingdom to the size of your coworkers? I mean, if we're real, that's just like a full-time job in itself to devote the thought and energy to comparing your kingdom to everybody else's around you, to your bosses. Um, the Lord, the Lord kind of downloaded a thought. Um, worship team, you guys can, uh, you guys can come on up. The Lord kind of downloaded a thought um, into my head recently, and I've, I've put it on my phone. I've put it on my computer. I've got a note card in my car. And uh, I just, I want to kind of process this as a church, as a, as a body. Um, and it goes like this. The Lord just spoke to me. What, what if I lived every moment of my life thankful for the cross? When I work, I, I want my time at work to be a reflection of my thankfulness for the cross. When I'm on the weekends, when I'm relaxing, hanging out with friends, I want my choices, my actions, my words to be a reflection of my thankfulness for the cross. And you know what's amazing is when this shifts, when this shifts in your life of whose kingdom am I out to build? What life am I trying to build? How thankful am I? What's amazing is that coworker that's a real pain to work with, instead of being an object of frustration, he or she is now a target of the love of God. He or she is now an opportunity to show the love of God to. People, frustrations, situations, they all of a sudden, instead of bringing you down, wearing you out, they become opportunities to bring glory to God. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking anybody in here to be robots. I know we all deal with real emotion. I'm not, I know we're not gonna just be like, oh, I'm going through a really hard time. Um, God will provide and, and all this stuff that a lot of times we kind of fake sometimes. I'm not asking anybody to just shrug their shoulders at life because I get it. Like life can be really, really hard. It can be really, really grating. There's, there's marriages that are falling apart. There's deaths that happen. There are real issues that we deal with. And I'm not here to, uh, to subtract from any of that at all. But it's amazing what shift happens in your mind, in your heart, when all of a sudden we understand what we're out to do in life, why we're here, what we're here to build, what we're here to live for. I know you're like, Levi, you don't know how frustrating my wife can be. <laughs> but you know what's amazing is um, instead of arguing and trying to prove who's right, when we understand this shift, it's now not about how do I, how do I get back at my spouse, but how do we create a, a unified family unit that brings glory to God and is a light to everybody around? Because your kids are watching, you know? They're the most like, they look up. I've been, I've been involved in kids for like barely four weeks now and I'm learning so much and I'm so excited about the future, but I'm learning that what if instead of like 
proving you're right with your spouse, you understand that it's more about being a unified unit that works together to bring glory to God, to be an example to your kids, to be an example to the people around you. And this shift changes your life. I went from dreading the new change, confused, frustrated, to bananas excited. And so humbly honored to even be asked. So you know what's amazing is it went from a frustration to an honor in 30 seconds. And that's what Jesus does. That's what he wants for your life. That he wants, that's what he wants for your family. Is this making sense to anybody? <laughs> um, so now, I'm really excited. And I know that sounds like I have to say that. <laughs> But I'm really, really excited about not just not just that, not just being a part of kids, but but what God's gonna bring tomorrow and what he's gonna do in the situations and how he's going to answer the promises that he's already put in my life. And I do not for a second wanna be like the Israelites that goes, God, I don't know where you're at. You're not showing up like I want you to show up. You're not making this season look like I thought you would. So I'm peacing out, I'm taking over. I deserve a win, I deserve a break. Not gonna do that. And I think as Elevate Church, if we can unite under this idea and this banner of we're gonna be first and foremost builders of Jesus' kingdom. And secondly, we're gonna make every decision with this understanding and this reflection of our thankfulness for the cross. This place is already growing, it's already healthy and it's just gonna freaking skyrocket, you know? Your influence with your coworkers, with your family members, is gonna explode in a way we've never seen before. And it's gonna be really, really good. So let's pray real quick. Jesus, thank you so much for the day, God. Thank you for this opportunity. Jesus, um, I'm just so humbled uh, to be up here, so grateful to be a part, God. And right now, we're just gonna move forward as, as a unified body, as Elevate Church, we're gonna move forward as people who are just obsessed, obsessed with building your kingdom. We have tried to do it our way. We've tried to take the reins. We've tried to go on those vacations. We've tried those hobbies and life still is frustrating. Life can still be empty. Bad days still happen, but we're gonna shift today, God. We're gonna shift as a body with this goal. It's all about you. It's all about opportunities. It's all about where your mind's at. And the frustration in Jesus' name will melt, God. We love you and we're so thankful to be here. We're so thankful to be a part of the move that you're doing in Cincinnati, Ohio. Jesus, we just love you so, so much. Thank you for your forgiveness, your love, and most importantly, your patience with us, God. And Jesus, from here on out, we just step forward into a new season at Elevate Church, a new season at Elevate Church, God, where we move forward, taking crazy ground for you and your kingdom. People being the object of our love, God, and it's gonna be really, really good. And so we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.